Welcome back, folks. Today, we've got a very interesting conversation with our special guest zooming in from Ottawa, Ontario, Stephen Silver. Stephen is a real estate investor who's investing in a different kind of property. His specialty, his focus, his portfolio really revolves around rooming houses. And I know there's a lot of stigma around this. And I know I had that stigma until I got to know Stephen a little bit better. And that is, you know, that they they tend to be very run down and attracting the, the dregs of society. But it's not always like that. Appearances can be deceiving. And this can be a very, very profitable asset class to take a look at. So, Stephen, welcome to the call. Great to see you again. Hey, Dave. Thank you very much. All right. So tell us a little bit about your real estate backstory and how you got involved in rooming houses. Okay. So um, I have an engineering degree and uh, actually a master's in engineering. And um, right when I got out of school, um, started working as an engineer, I started investing in buying uh, single family dwellings, building my own basement apartments in them at the time, didn't know much about the legalities of that, um, renting out top and bottom etc. And yeah. then uh, things moved along. Got so, was, so when did you first start with that, Stephen? What year would that have been? Oh, I'm an old guy. <laughs> no, I, got a lot gray, I got a lot more gray going on than you do, brother. Yeah, so. that's what hair dyes for. <laughs> the ladies know that. Um, yeah, so we're talking, um, I'm going to say uh, 1990. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 1990, you got started. Yeah. Perfect. So you did the uh, single family homes, putting the basement suites in. How long did you do those kind of deals for? Well, I I got my first one. Remember, I was working at the time and also was uh, starting to have a family and stuff. So, uh, but then the next step that um, was uh, critical was I knew that, uh, you know, the top bottom, I needed to have multiple income streams. So what happened was um, I was living in Toronto at the time and um, moved to Brampton. And mm. at the time I bought, uh, I bought this beautiful 3,200 square foot home. I put very little money down through um, uh, back then there was a company called First Line. I threw my mortgage out 40 years and I put all my down payment into an absolutely stunning basement apartment where I cut the foundations, put in large windows. I moved the kitchen from upstairs to the downstairs because I didn't want my wife yelling at me that the tenant got the beautiful kitchen. And um, and I put in gas fireplaces, cut off the um, heating ducts and so on and so forth. And I rented it out. Now, here's the thing. I, I rented this thing out back in 1996. There were 1,600 square feet. It was like a condo. I rented it out for a thousand bucks a month back in 1996, but my mortgage was only 1250. So here I was living in this 3,200 square foot house for 250 bucks a month. And I even structured it where it was a repayment of debt. So there was no taxes associated with it. So all my- So, so you, that, that was an early version of house hacking. Exactly. And all my, all my friends were in these tiny little townhouses with mortgages right up to the, their necks. They couldn't hold it. And I was pulling into this double car garage for 250 bucks a month. Nice. Anyways, so then from there, I moved to Ottawa. <clears throat> and, uh, um, and at the time when I did build the second, when I did build that basement apartment, I did it legally, uh, permits and everything else, because it was allowed, uh, Bob Ray, the NDP, they uh, legalized it. But I moved to Ottawa. And um, I knew that there was something to be done here. And uh, so I started to um, look around and I was thinking of get, doing a bed and breakfast. And then I learned about this whole concept called rooming houses in the bylaw. 
And what I did learn by meeting a development information officer, because I was thinking of a bed and breakfast, and he said, listen, we can't, there was a house that had seven bedrooms in it. He said, look, we can't, uh, we can't do the, uh, the bed and breakfast because there's not enough parking space. But if you call it a rooming house, you only need half a parking spot per room, as opposed to a full parking spot for a bed and breakfast. Oh. I didn't end up buying that house that was for my family, but I always remembered it. And he told me there was a quirky little law in the former city books in the PM that allowed you to take a detached home and legally change its operational use to a legal rooming house. So I thought about that. And then what happened was I knew about the whole basement apartment thing. And I was instrumental in converting, uh, getting the the city to change 137 zoning bylaws as they were amalgamating into allowing for secondary suites. Then I lobbied CMHC and I got them to come up with a plan where they'll give any home order $48,000 to build a secondary suite, keep the money and rent yeah, it yeah, out yeah. for 50. So what happened was I met this fella who had, was buying these houses and renting it out to students. And uh, he said, will you build me this, these basement apartments? I said, sure. So I took the buy, I took him to my bank manager. My bank manager looked at the cash flows, all these rooms being rented and said, this is awesome. He said, but you know what? You should take a look at my house. It's a stone's throw away from Algonquin College, which is the largest college in Eastern Ontario. So um, my client turned to me and said, if you don't look at this, I will. Well, that was God knocking on my door. So I went and I bought this executive house, a stone's throw away. And then I knew about the whole rooming house thing. So I did the conversion. It cost me a chunk of cash. It's not cheap. Um, because you have to make it uh, the equivalent of a, of a public hotel safety-wise. Okay. And, um, and I launched, but my approach was a little bit different. So, well, let's, let's just stop here for a moment because there's rooming houses as I assume most people think of them. And then there's student housing, which it sounds like is what you're talking about here. What, what, What's the difference in, in your books or okay. is there? Well, not really. See, the term rooming house is an Ontario building code designation as it is uh-huh. in most. It's a building code. OK, mm-hmm. now there is a zoning associated with it, but it's primarily a building code because you're creating a multi-dwelling situation. So you need fire separations for safety. Okay. Now, what you do with it is completely up to you. But yes, whether you rent it to students or others, it's completely up to you. My initial thought was, again, stemming from the secondary suites and so on, was I need to get more streams of income out of the same property if I want to make money, serious money. So what happened was um, I did the rooming house thing. Now, my original business plan was to rent to students because I was so close to Algonquin College. However... This particular executive property had a huge 50 foot by 23 foot built in swimming pool. It had an indoor sauna. I added jacuzzi bathtubs. I added a hot tub and we put $50,000 of commercial sound isolation into all the walls, ceilings and floors. Then when I outfitted the suites, I put in thousand dollar memory foam mattresses with a top cooling layer, refrigerators, microwaves, but the most important thing that I put in the cellar was a huge 55-inch ULED 4K Android TV with Netflix. (laughs) Because as soon as, especially if it's a male prospective tenant, when they walk in and they see that big screen TV, it's love at first sight. All right. Okay, cool. So you, you switch gears from thinking about student housing because this was a smoking hot 
property. It was an executive type property. So he said, well, let's kick it up a few notches and let's make this more attractive to a little bit more well-heeled clientele. And the TVs being the big seller there for sure. But walk us through who your tenant profile is for these kind of rooms, because okay. yeah, it's it's not going to be a student and it's going to be not going to be the kind of tenant we assume for rooming houses, like in the downtown east side of Vancouver. It's definitely not those kind of guys. So who are renting these? Okay. So that, that sort of, that originally it was students, even though I upscaled it, that oh, okay. was still my primary market. It was by accident or by uh, learning through experience. Once I did all this and I started running ads, all of a sudden, and it wasn't, I didn't target this. I didn't create this. I didn't go directly at this. I was going for students. But what was happening was I was getting software engineers. I was getting uh, government workers. Ottawa is known for its government workers. But uh, you also have to remember, I was setting my prices higher. Right. I would imagine because right? so I was put quite a bit of money into there. that property. Right. Wait, so, so remind me, what year was this? That, that so you're doing? I, I did this conversion 2004 or five. So I opened in okay. 2005 beginning. Got it. Okay. Okay. It took me about six months for the construction and the change and everything else. Yeah. So, um, and of course I got a lot of divorced men who give the farm away to the ex-wife, but yeah. when they come and they see that they can live with hot tubs, jacuzzis and swimming pools, that's like they turn to the ex-wife and give her the but, little finger. Yeah. Plus they, they got their own little built-in man cave there. That's their room, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'm giving him. And remember, because I'm giving, this is key because I'm giving him that huge screen TV, which is an amazing entertainment piece of entertainment and a refrigerator microwave, even though there's a common fully stocked kitchen, it's virtually never used. Yeah. Because these guys, they basically pop something into the microwave from the refrigerator and they eat in their sweets. Now, there are some who like to cook, but you'll never have to wait in line to use the kitchen because it's most of the time not used. And if it is, it's used to heat up a pizza. Right. right? So the concern about the common kitchen is easily overcome easily. As soon right. as as soon as they see this TV, that's it. It's hook, line and sinker. So that was 2005. Fast forward 18, 19 years, whatever it is. What what is the mix in that particular property? Do you still have that property? And and who is your tenant mix in there? Absolutely. Having yeah. said that, there's one other thing that happened that was crucial to the change in the business model. Okay. Cru crucial. Okay. And that was my divorce. And I'll uh. explain why. Okay. So unfortunately, uh, when my marriage ended, um, and uh, I was looking at my financial resources and everything else, especially the cost of divorce. Um, I realized this is crazy that the most cost effective place for me to go, and it's not a bad place, was to move into a suite in my rooming house. Of course. Right? So I'm sorry, course, remind me, how many suites were in that property? Did you have in that property? So there's a total of 10. 10. Got it. Okay. okay. So what happened was, of course, I took the largest suite, right? But when I moved only in, right. only right. But when I moved in, that's when I learned about Clause 5I of the Residential Tenancies Act of Ontario, which also this clause exists in every other provinces act. And for that matter, within states acts as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, And so what happened was is this Clause 5I states the following. If the landlord owner shares either a kitchen or a bathroom with the other occupants of the facility, 
And by the way, not only it says landlord owner and off and or offspring and or spouse and or spouse of the offspring. Okay. okay. But if either of those parties share either a kitchen or a bathroom with the other occupants of the facility, the facility is exempt, exempt from the act. That's huge. Okay. Why? Connect okay. The dots. I'll connect them. So just to finish off uh, briefly, when I moved in, I have a kitchenette in my suite, but I don't have a 220 volt stove plug. So I technically have to share the kitchen. Right. Therefore, it's exempt. Now, so what governs? We live in a civilized society. We have laws and rules to promote harmony, resolve disputes. What governs is contract law and the Trespassing Act. Okay. okay. So here's the situation. Every other landlord who has to contend with the Residential Tenancies Act of any province. But especially order, Ontario. Especially Ontario. Yeah. But in order to evict, you need a you need a judge signing an eviction order or what they call members at the landlord and tenant board. Well, to get that, it's not easy and it no. takes a long time. So before the pandemic, it took it usually took about three to six months to get a hearing. OK, now in Ontario, you have to serve the tenant with an N5 official housing form that tells them to stop the activity or an N4 of non-payment of rent. Then if they don't, after seven days, do it, you have to serve them with a second N5, then file an application paying $200 and then wait because yeah. you need that touch. Well, here's the thing. Before the pandemic was three to six months, statistically, it takes three appearances in front of a judge to get an eviction order. They don't like to evict and they don't like to evict in the winter for sure. OK, so what transpired was now the pandemic where they shut down all the courts and they froze all yep. the evictions. The backlog is 60 to 70,000 applications for eviction. If you're a landlord and you need a hearing, you're going to wait 14 months for the first one. Remember, you need three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can take you four and a half years to get somebody out. All right. My In the meantime, mom. they're not paying any rent. Exactly. And a yep. lot of people went bankrupt because of that. A yep. lot. A lot of small landlords went bankrupt. So my model is this. The first clause in my lodging contract, notice I use the term lodger, not tenant, and lodging yes. contract, not lease, because I don't want confusion with the RTA. All right. My lodging contract, of course, the first paragraph specifically states that due to clause 5i, the facility is not governed by the RTA. Then I have a clause in the contract that says the landlord owner and offspring, et cetera, have and every lodger has the legal right to reasonable enjoyment of the premises. And if a lodger or lodger's guest impacts that right in a negative way, this shall be deemed a breach of the terms and conditions of the contract. And the landlord owner has the legal right to terminate the contract before its stated end date and can be effective immediately. So, so bottom line is you can you can toss unruly lodgers immediately. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Basically, I give them a written warning to change yeah. their behavior. I give them 24 hours because I'm not in the business of throwing people out. I need to. Oh, of course not. But, but if you had but, to. Yeah, exactly. Because what happens is as soon as I revoke that contract or cancel issue a notice of termination due to breach of the terms and conditions. OK, the trespassing act kicks it. Yeah. Private so basically, property. it's kind of like a hotel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Private okay. property. So I, if they don't leave of their own volition. I call the police, the police come in, they take them out and mm -hmm. they charge them with trespassing. Got it. Done. Okay. So I resolve it in 24 to 48 hours. Now, this so, is that, so that works well in, in properties that you're living in or your family's living in. 
Correct. But, but you've got more than one. Right. So how do you scale? So yeah. how do you scale? Right. Yeah. I, absolutely. Because here's the cook. The law doesn't state how much an owner has to be an owner. Got it. Just has to be an owner. So when I bought my second rooming house, which is right in downtown Ottawa, a gorgeous location, one block east of Elgin Street, which is the main street of Ottawa with the War Memorial and all the patio yep. restaurants. All right. So what happened was I had a at the time I had a friend of mine who is a, a community nurse who was looking for a place to stay. I said to him, I'll tell you what. I said, why don't you move into my the place I'm buying, have the biggest suite, live like a king. And we negotiated that he'd do some superintendent responsibilities, not show the suites, I would do that, but cleaning it and so on and so forth. And for that, he would get discounted rent. And I would sweeten the pot by giving him 0.0001% ownership of the property. And how did you give him that ownership? So there's a couple of different ways you can do that. Yeah. And it depends on how you want to structure it. So I'm not going to go into those no, details. So how, do, how what's the simplest way that you can give somebody else? Well, you can either give it on you can give it on title, but you want to have a shotgun clause. So if the if the uh, if the owner or if the relationship doesn't work out, they agree to sell that that ownership portion back to uh, yeah. yourself, the owner, so you can resell it to somebody else. So you used to maintain and keep control. So that's option A. It depends on your laws and how your 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 uh, the LTB would view these things depending on your situation. The second method is by creating a shell corp. So the shell what? corp, the shell now, corp. Now, now, do they have to be owners on title, or do they have to have an equitable interest in the property? Well, and this is where it's a gray area. Okay, okay. and this is what I was advised by uh, landlords and tenants. Because I'm thinking off the top of my head. Number one, if if the relationship sours with this guy, right? You know, it could get sticky trying to even with a shotgun cost. Uh, B time and expense of setting all that up. But if you could do just like it's a not, simple option, yeah, registered on title, right? Then that would keep I, yeah. Simple and I leave you. I leave it I leave all that for the lawyers. I won't get into that. The lawyers <laughs> can enough. figure that out in terms of the easiest yeah. way. But I'm saying it's easily doable, and it's not too. Once you do it once, you just reuse the template oh, over and okay. over so, and over, right? Well, yeah, you've so done it. Not, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not that big of a deal. It's it's not that big of a deal. And typically, if the relationship goes sour. The, the person, and it did, by the way, it yeah. did go sour with this fella and they walk anyways. They, they, it's, there's too much, they don't want to get, be involved. In fact, what happened was initially they relinquished the superintendent cleaning part, which was actually a good thing. I learned to separate ownership from that. Mm. Um, and secondly, uh, and then, then it's just a done deal because they want to get their, they get a, a chunk of piece of money, not a lot, but they yeah. get some money out of no, it. You're buying them out, that's right? It. You're, you're buying them out. Yeah, yeah. You're so whatever them, it is, right? a thousand bucks, and exactly out the door they go. When yeah. you, exactly out the door they go. Exactly. So Got it's it. pretty. It's pretty easy. Now, Good. in terms of the landlord tenant lawyer, like he said, it is common for husbands and wives that own rental properties to put it in a shell corp, and landlord and tenant boards recognize that although the property is in the in a shell corp, effectively it's still it is the 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 couple or whatever those are the owners of the property we're not talking a major corporate yeah. corporation so i've never experienced any issues at the uh, because of that structure in any way nobody challenged me on it whatsoever and okay perfect perfect let's let's get back sure get out of the weeds a little bit here so big picture is you've 
you found this asset class of rooming houses. We understand that this can be a whole range of things all the way from student housing to the rundown ones we typically think of to these luxury kind of three men and a baby situation. <laughs> like, well, like no, the, I get a lot of, excuse me, I, I did correct you. I get uh, a lot of couples. I okay, get couples. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a husband and wife and a baby, <laughs> to be uh -huh. quite frank. Um, you have to remember, because if you give them the amenities and you give them the soundproofing, right? And you're giving them, it's like living in a resort hotel. There was a TV show where there was this family that lived in a hotel, I forget. But in any case, it was quite funny, but it's, it's literally like that. So when they, when they, when the perspective uh, lodgers see all this, they go, yeah. wow, this is like a vacation every single day. Yeah, and remember, even at the nicest, I don't know if you stayed, but even the nicest hotel rooms, they don't give 55 inch TVs. The nicest. They don't give big screens. So what do you what do you charge in these days per month for a room? Well, I mean, remember, I'm in Ottawa. I'm not in Vancouver. I'm not in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, let yeah. me let me tell you this. Um, and that is remember the key thing I learned in real estate is multiple streams of income. Yeah. Okay. But the key thing is you want to have control by getting the LTB out of your life. A lot of people, residential real estate, go to commercial because they're sick and tired of the control of the LTB. The yeah. problem with commercial is if you have an anchor tenant and you lose them, it yeah. could take you years to refill. And all of a sudden your income is dried up. You need the wherewithal to survive it. Yeah. My model is a hybrid. I have the benefits of both. I have the benefits of commercial because I don't have the LTB, but I also have the benefits of residential because I have multiple small streams of income. So if I lose one, I'm not dying. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It, it fits the whole thing. And if you, if you upscale the place now, here's that I'm going to explain, I'm going to answer your question now. Okay. When you can get somebody out in 24 hours, you don't have to worry about their credit, their employment, their income sources. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't pay, they don't stay. Exactly. Straight up, right? So or if they cause a kerfuffle. Or they if they cause, cause any, a kerfuffle, any they damage anything. Any yeah. challenge whatsoever. And I, I had to train the police. I will tell you this. There was a training I had to go through and I was documented. The police would show up, say, sorry, Mr. Silver. It's a civil matter. I'd say, no, wait a second. Here's the law. Here's the act. They go back, sit in their cruiser for two hours, talking to a supervisor. <laughs> they would come back in and they'd say, you know what, Mr. Silver, you're absolutely right. And they'd walk up and they'd say, you're out of here. You have yeah. to go now. And they're, they're trained in dispute resolution. So, of course, they did the tell me your right. side stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, I've seen it where they've actually, if they had a belligerent person, they cuffed him, threw him against the wall, dragged him out of my house. Nice. I'm not involved. I don't have a problem. You have to understand when you go through the, the horrible situation of the LTB and the laws where you feel like you're going to, you're going to die because you're burning so much money and you can't get this person out. It is the greatest feeling in the world when you in 24 hours can remove a problem. When you got control of your own damn property. That's, have, that's what it is. You exactly. have, and that is key. It is key. So, so, so what, what are that, the, I mean, this sounds like a panacea, my friend. It is, but what, hang on. What's, I'm gonna, what's okay. Go for I, it. I want to just finish the last thing. When you can get somebody out in 24 to 48 hours, you don't need credit checks. So what I did was I sat back and I rethought my business. 
And it's important to do that. Always reflect on your business. How can you make it better? How can you ex uh, exploit things, do things that, are, that are, are being presented to you? And so what I did was, because I can get them out, I completely changed my marketing. And that's when I started to target market. Who do I target market? My ads say, no credit check, no employment verification, no income source confirmation. That's the title of my ad. That's not, I have a beautiful suite. That's the title of my ad. So what happens? What's happening is this. There are many people, especially because of the pandemic or because of divorce or they have pets. My places are pet friendly. There are many, many people that are getting turned down left, right and center because now after the pandemic, landlords, big and small, are scared because if they put somebody in, it's going to take four years to get them out. So they're turning down people left, right and center. Well, what happens is they come to me and they say, Stephen, thank God you exist because I would be on a bus bench. Even if I came out of a beautiful house, I've got money and so on and so forth. Whatever the reason, they're getting turned down. They come to me. Well, if somebody's coming to you like that, these people are motivated. When you're a salesperson, which I was for 20, for 20 years in technical sales, you want to find a motivated buyer, a motivated buyer. But doesn't These that also attract the, the, the dregs? Yeah, but here's the thing. Hmm. So what happens is because they're motivated, they pay. And so I am getting, I'm able to get a 40% premium over market rates. So what, what are you comparing to though? What's your comparable? So uh, A, I'm comparing to other roomy houses. Okay. Because right. I am renting rooms after all. Okay. But having said that, even when I, I'm getting for my, for my bedroom, for my one room suite, I am getting the equivalent of a one bedroom apartment. Wow. Because they can't get into the one bedroom apartment. Exactly. They can't get in. So to give you a simple analogy, and I don't know if in, if, uh, in your neck of the woods you have this, but have you ever heard of a, a company called Money Mart? Yes. Okay. And yes, we do have them. You have. So what is Money Mart? After all, you can always go to a bank. Why don't people take their checks to the bank? No, Why no, do exactly. they go to Money Mart, right? Yeah. Why? That's ridiculous, right? But Money Mart thrives. My model is like the Money Mart of real estate. I like that. Okay? That's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and, and it works because, and I'll explain, okay? It works because when you're getting 40% more, a, you're filtering, but remember, do I get some dregs? Absolutely, but I can get them out in 24 to 48 hours. Right. So it's not well, an so, issue. so again, that's I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm thinking, okay, well, that might attract drug dealers, well, prostitutes. Okay. This, this well, first of, of all, usually, okay. So I have on-site management first mm -hmm. and foremost. I live in one, and it, in this case. My situation is such when the, there was a falling out with this other fellow who was owner, it just worked out that my son was looking for a place. So he lives in the other at this point, Got but it. it doesn't mean I can't scale. How so, many, how many do you have at the, at this At time? this point I have two. So I have 20 doors. Nice. Okay. Okay. So now, um, so what happens is because there's on-site management, if somebody comes in, like, you don't know how people are. They put a good face on yeah, until yeah, yeah. they get there. You find out when you find out if they're a drug dealer or prostitute, 24 hours, they're out. Got they're it. out. 
It's yep. simple. It's super easy. And the cops will come in and take them out for you. They're well-trained by now. So Stephen, it sounds amazing. What's What are the negatives? What's the downside? What are the challenges? Um, okay. So the, well, the, I wouldn't say there's any negatives per se. It all depends if you want to operate in this type of environment, hmm. right? I thrive on it. I enjoy it. I'm a people person, et cetera. When you have 20 doors, do you have ch- turnover? Of course you do. But what I can tell you is over 60% of my lodges have been here for years. I had a person stay with me for seven years, yeah. seven years, because he said, Stephen, I can rent any other place. could be the Taj Mahal. A bad apple moves in. It's a nightmare. With yeah. you, I know they're out in 24 hours. So now, have, you had to, have you had to toss a lot of people? Uh, or is this- I didn't say a lot, but I've had, I've had to toss, but I don't. I don't let anything, you know, if I see uh, something escalating, yeah. I just turn around, you walk nip away, it. You nip I, it yeah, in the bud. that's it. I just, that's it. And I, I text person say from here on in, it's only through text and email. If you speak to me verbally, I will not be responding. It's not out of disrespect, but if it's going legal, this is the way it has to be. It doesn't get the legal because the police remove them. Right. <laughs> so it's done. Okay. Yeah. Um, so or they leave of their own volition. I mean, if you tell them to leave. Yeah, leave. if I tell them to leave. And some have, have, have questioned me. And they said, oh, no, no, no. And then when the cops show up and say, no, you're out of here. You know, I've got the big smile on my face. Of course, I'm not going to rub it in. But yeah. I know the law. And I got know it. I'm right. So, okay. So to answer your question. But I just want to give you a, an, an example of my model and how well it works. When I bought my rooming house downtown, which was a fantastic location, but was the, the rooming house you described at the beginning, filled with drug addicts and, and alcoholics. Pardon me, but it was a real crap hole. Yeah. And I knew the potential. So I slowly moved them out by law because they're under the RTA because my guy hadn't moved in yet. Mm. So I used various, many, many ways of getting people out, but I got them out legally. Yeah. And then I refurbished the suite, sanded the floors. It's a, a house was built in 1900. I disinfected it. <laughs> I put in my, yeah, needed a lot. There were hoarders. It was a, it was a, dog it was a disaster. Yeah. It was a disaster, but it had, but I bet, I bet you got a pretty good deal on it. Wait. I, and that is another benefit. Yeah. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment, but I put in my refrigerators, my microwaves, my big screen TVs, all that, the memory foam mattresses, and also use steel frames. Don't do box springs because when people move from place to place, they bring bed bugs. They like to live in box springs. You use steel metal frames so that way you can store stuff under the bed as well. So these are all tricks I learned. But here's an example. In one year, when I bought the place, the rent roll, which included five parking spots that the guy rented out, he had his rent roll was $5,300 a month. That was his rent roll. In one year, I changed that from $5,300 a month to $13,800 a month. Wow. In one year. Almost tripled. Almost tripled in one year. In one year. Why? He was renting them at 500 bucks a month. They are now my suites. Again, this is Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not Toronto or Vancouver. But my suites, the entry level suite is getting 1206, inclusive of high speed internet, utilities, and Netflix. Then I have 1356, 1456, 1656, and my premium suite's getting 1856. Wow. From yeah, one, awesome. wait, wait, from one 3,000 square foot building. One. So <laughs> I only have, suites. 
and I only have I only have one roof to worry about, one furnace to worry about. Okay, my point is I call this a poor man's apartment building. I didn't have a hundred million dollars to buy an apartment building, but I could structure buying a house. That's my one independent even smaller. It's only twenty four hundred square feet. Right, I could structure buying a house and changing it into this model, yeah. and have all these doors with all these income streams, all these income streams. Mm-hmm. See now, so let's talk about uh, the others. The, what you asked, the the pitfalls and so on. Financing. Banks have the same stigma that you have or had. Mm. Okay. They won't lend on rooming houses. I have explained my model. I have showed them. I've said, to, I've shown my, because my model is less risky than lending money to a person who's buying a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex. Yeah, yeah, Why? for sure. Right? They're, but they're ba- not but banks are like big ships. It takes them a long, long they, time to I turn don't around. E- I don't even think what, I can what get if, to the start what if, I mean, but they do understand student housing. Can you call it student housing instead of a rooming you can, house? You can try. Listen, I tried. I tried. And I've tried many times. Very yeah. hard. Very, very hard. Even B banks, right? There's A and B. Yeah. Even B banks. So, what, so where are you going now? Are you going to C banks or where? where well, no, there's no C banks, but they're called MIX, Mortgage Investment Corporations, right? Which is private money. Yeah. So you're paying you're paying big dollars, okay? Having said that, there is a f- benefit on the flip side. Rooming house owners know that it's very hard to sell them because of not to sell them per se, but it's very hard to get the seller, the buyer to get financing. Right. So they are far more open to vendor take backs. Creative financing. I, I did vendor take backs. In yeah. fact, you go for the gusto, ask for 50%, 50, start 50, right? Well, I'd, I'd start at 80. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could. So my point is, is that, Exactly. But, but when you have a selling market, it's like, uh, it's like buying commercial, yeah. right? Some banks do it, but if you're buying commercial, many, many commercial sellers will do VTBs. Mm-hmm. They'll do it because they understand they have to help. Right. Rooming house owners also know that they have to help. So you get that benefit on that side, right? So, um, and so that's where you come in, in terms of, I would say the difficulty, right, is on the financing side. However, however, if you've raised your rents like I did, you can cover it. And there's one more added benefit. In this past year, we've seen mortgage rates go up 17 fold, yeah. 17 times. Unbelievable. It's never skyrocketed so fast in the history. 17 fold. Every other landlord out there has to follow the guidelines. They can only increase. They can by only increase the rent, but the government only. says they can. Right, yeah, exactly. even though their mortgage has tripled, uh, gone, yeah. gone crazy. Whereas mine, I'm not encumbered by that. So the moment I refinanced in it, and I had a huge increase, it was over two and a half percent. Okay, which treads into a lot of dollars. I immediately passed it right through on my rent, immediately. And it's really what the market will bear. This is a true right. free market. So if the market will bear it, then you do it. If it's not, you cut back, but at least you're covering some of it, right. some of it, which is a huge thing because otherwise I'd be dead. Yeah. I'd be dead in the water. So even this, this is, this is fascinating. Time has run out. It flies okay. when we're having fun. 
<laughs> if people want to connect with you, what should they do? So my email address, home space developments, all one word and the space is spelled out. So at gmail.com. So H-O-M-E-S-P-A-C-E-D-E-V-E-L-O-P-M-E-N-T-S. Homespacedevelopments at gmail.com. Perfect, Stephen. Thanks for being on the show, my friend, and and uh, educating us about all of the possibilities with pretty swanky sounding rooming houses. Yeah, it's Congratulations. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the next episode.